Welcome to Founders and Friends, the company podcast for Tally Foods, hosted by its founders, Kyle Watts, John Gabizadeh, and Dr. Susan Marie Flugel. Some days it's a nightmare. Some days it's it's a lot of fun. It's It's been an up and down ride. I think we should make a, sh- a t-shirt with that. Live in the, and then a few check boxes underneath yeah. it. It's like, take your pick. Yeah. What day of the week is it? Right. <laughs> How long have you been a solo, like on your own with Longo Designs? 10 years. 10 years. Wow. Yeah, man. So what, what made you jump into that? How did you like make that leap? So many things. I knew I always wanted to do it once I felt like I had the confidence to, to launch one, right? And that took a lot of time of running another company that I was employed by for many years. But I think it was climbing that ladder, what you're supposed to do as a entrepreneur, right? Finally get to the, the top of this thing and you find out it's not all it's cracked up to be. And we were in the promotions business. So that was slowly dying and our board of directors decided to wind down the company. So really, I looked at it as this was the writing on the wall. If I did not start my own thing now, I'll never do it. It was almost like the timing was forced, mm-hmm. but I had a good exit package. So that made it even more so that like, if I don't do this now, I'll never do it. What company was it? company was called Equity Marketing. We had a division called Logistics. And we created all of the in-box and in-store promotions for Burger King, Kellogg Cereal, Kraft, Kohl's, department stores, Macy's. No way. You name it. Is is an inbox promotion just a toy? Like is that what is that a fancy way of saying a toy in, in the cereal? The premium. <laughs> An inbox promotion. The little premium, yeah. So everything from like a ten dollar piece at Macy's to a twenty seven cent piece at Burger King. What would be a ten dollar piece at Macy's? Oh, like Thanksgiving Day Parade plush, you know, something something a little bit, uh, you know, less quantity, higher price point. Gotcha. So if it was a giveaway or a gift with purchase or something like that. We made them all. So you made all the Happy Meal toys for years? Yeah. So we did, we did Taco Bell first and then Burger King. And now I don't know if you know this too, but like they've kind of slowly taken that out of the process because it's just too expensive and there's too much logistics and shipping and they're all made in in Asia. So now every promotion is like paper based or online. So they made, they made our jobs kind of like obsolete. Gotcha. So you didn't have anything to do with like Monopoly. At McDonald's, like any of that promotions? Well, the agency, our our competitor was ran that whole thing during that time, right? Because they had that huge issue with people stealing the game pieces or something. Yeah, they would steal them. They would like print the printing people would like take the million dollar ticket like when they got printed. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's insane. Oh, oh it's the worst. Yeah. yeah, that was the demise, I think, of that whole. Yeah. Keep- <laughs> <laughs> that was such a thing back in the day. Did you watch that Netflix documentary, Pepsi, Where's My Jet? Yeah, I, I didn't finish it, but what a weird one. That guy basically did everything they said to do, and they, he never got a jet. Yeah, I, re- <laughs> I remember growing up in the 90s and those types of points. And remember the bottle caps underneath the bottle cap? You would get, you collect the Mountain Dew, Pepsi bottle caps and redeem them for points. And they, no one does any of that anymore. And maybe that's, they should. I, I don't know. Maybe that's why. Why'd they stop? Like it doesn't, it seemed to work. Yeah. I think it had its time. You know what I mean? It was fun. I mean, it was fun collecting those I bottle caps and you tear off, say, oh, did I get 10 points, one point? It all goes back to like the Willy Wonka gold, golden wrapper thing. It does. To me. 
Like that's where it all started. And that wasn't, that wasn't even real. That was in a, a movie. But I think there's, that's a missing thing when you buy something, that feeling of like, what if? Yeah. Yeah. Good contest. The gold. Yeah, that's right. The golden wrapper. Yeah. Now we know what we got to do for, for our brand. <laughs> yeah. Let's do some crazy promotions. That just, but the thing is, it's like the odds are like even worse than the lottery. Like they Pepsi, like pretty much made those odds, like of course. basically zero. And like Monopoly was impossible to win. Yeah. Like actually it was. But. <laughs> so Nick Longo from Longo Designs, he is our packaging designer and creative force behind the Tally brand. Thanks for jumping on Founders and Friends this morning. Yeah, man. I'm, I was so happy to see you guys doing this. Yeah. You sneaky devils. <laughs> yeah. Not more Kyle than me. <laughs> I get it, man. We're putting the pieces together. We're putting the pieces together. I mean, I think, you know, in this first few months of the business, it was about seeing what works, trialing things out. And now I'm starting to actually get a feel for what is working and going to be doing more and more promotion of, of the brand. And especially as we kind of find our footing, which we'll talk about next. But yeah, we were a bit sneaky. And you have a podcast too, right? So yeah. Nick Longo, longodesigns.com. And then what's your podcast called? It's called the DGDC. It uh, stands for Deeply Graphic Design Cast. It's been around for 12 years. I joined it about eight years ago as a fan. I loved it because it was talking about that process of going from fully employed to self-employed. I was looking at podcasts very similar to, I think, a lot of young business people are going to do when they hear yours and going into a business, right? So I would listen to this all the time. And it gave me the courage to kind of say like, wow, I didn't even know this independent designer thing was a thing. And so it gave me a ton of confidence, did the thing. And next thing I know, I reached out to him and said, sounds like you're down a host. You know, do you, are you looking for someone? Joined it and have been on for about nine years. That's amazing, Nick. So it's DGDC, just search for those four letters and there you go. And it's a podcast about creative design, like the in-depth work of it, or is it about, is it more like consumer facing or is it for other graphic professionals? It's for other graphic designers, for sure. I think it's more to that person that is wanting to make the leap. Maybe they work a full-time job, but they're doing a little bit of a side hustle and they're trying to find wins that time to maybe pull the plug on the job and increase things on the freelance side. We talk about, you know, like it's even more than just design. It's like the budgeting, the self-promotion, you know, all the things that I'm assuming you guys kind of make episodes on as well. Young kids are, are going right into it right out of school or maybe without school. And some folks even close to retiring are probably finding, hey, this might be a great way to have my retirement years as a designer and do things on my own and do it from the comfort of my own office and things like that. So we cover all those, all those topics. Yeah. So you help them basically with the business aspect as well as talk about the, the product, which is their skill set. Yeah. Bringing guests, you name it, right? The podcast world, I'm sure you're, you're feeling it. It's really, it's what you make out of it. The formulas like are, are not really set in stone. It's about what you're hoping to do. And, and if you consider an audience and what they want to get out of it and you build it for that, they'll be loyal, you know, and that's the thing about it. And th you think about what you listen to as a podcast. What do you get out of those ones, you know, from the ones that you listen to and you actually hit subscribe to? Yeah, I mean, the, the ones that I listen to are mostly Founders Stories. Uh, How I Built mm -hmm. This is a big one that I listen to. Yeah, And I started yeah. Founders and Friends. The reason I started it was you hit on it. It's working out in the open. I just wanted to sort of work out in the open and go through the process of tally with John and share as we go. Some old episodes were talking about strategic visions that have completely gone away. 
you know, and then <laughs> some episodes we're talking about, hey, we should do this. And then here we are, you know, doing it, you know, six months later. So good. That's why I started it and it's been fun. But I've also learned too with like messaging. It's really a company podcast. It's 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 a company podcast about myself and John. It's not so much a consumer facing podcast for the tally consumer. And I'm learning that I need to do a better job. And that's why I was telling you before we started recording about redoing the websites. We have a new website coming out next week. And I read this great book called Story Brand. I'm not sure if you've heard of this amazing book. This this gentleman who wrote it, Donald Miller, he he's a movie writer. He's a screenplay writer. He's also a really excellent marketer. And he talks about how the story is always the same over millennia. There is a character who is your consumer who has a problem, right? And they find a guide and the guide gives them a plan of action, calls them to action, and then they produce a solution. And it's true for every movie plot. It's true for every great brand that tells a story. It's like, who's your character? What is the problem that they have? And then be the guide. And so the whole website is completely different now. I'm not talking about every little nook and cranny of the product benefits or how we made it. Or, I mean, that's in there. But the main thing is, what am I solving? And I realized, Nick, what we're solving is we're solving toddler tummy troubles. That's that's what we're solving. And there's a real frustration with parents because you, it's really hard to diagnose a, a food allergy. And it's really frustrating when your toddler's upset. And so what we're solving is tummy troubles so that toddlers can reach their full potential. Perfect. There you go. Because toddlers that are having upset tummy don't feel well. And when you don't feel well, you don't reach your full potential. And that's not gimmicky. That's true. Like if you have food poisoning, like you or an adult might feel bad, like we don't reach anywhere near our full potential. And toddlers basically have to just deal with that. They can't vocalize it. They're, it's the symptoms that show to the parent are just, you know, bad poops, um, fussiness, tears, tantrums, right? They're just acting out because they don't feel good. And if you don't feel good, you can't play, grow, develop, make connections of the world around you like toddlers should be doing. And I think that's the powerful message. I love it. You ask any adult that went through it and had to go and work at the same time, right? It's the same thing. So yeah, if you're not hitting your full potential with it, it's a cool spin. I like the, it's not even a spin. It's real. Like, you know what I mean? I think solving those issues, making life easier for both sides. And then what's the benefit? Reaching a full potential. I always look at it as like feature benefit. You got the feature, but what is it doing? How is it moving the needle for that consumer and making it better. Yeah, and and the way I'm positioning it is organic formulas for sensitive toddler tummies and positioning ourselves as a guide because we are. Like John is an expert and Dr. Flugel PhD is an expert. And like we we can be the guide to help them solve it. And so what I do is I try and explain the basic message of there are common culprits that cause issues. It's dairy, soy, nuts and gluten. Sure, there are more complicated scenarios, and I do talk about food allergies in a section of the new website. But what happens is there's proteins and foods, and that causes an adverse reaction as you're developing your immune system and your digestive system simultaneously. So as you grow up and your immune system develops, it's not like in perfect lockstep is what I've you know learned from Dr. Flugel. It's like, sure, your digestive system might 
be able to drink dairy and milk, but like your immune system might be rejecting it just because you're 12 months old. And so what we provide is just a solution that knocks out those common culprits. And that's where we, when we're talking about the new toddler milk positioning, and that's where we're thinking about how do we get what I just described onto the packaging in a way that isn't cluttered and it makes sense. Yeah. That's going to be the challenge. Sounds also too like it kind of feels like plant-based is not the star anymore. It's more of, no. right? And it just happens to be plant-based and that that's part of the solution. There's a really high-end new vegan restaurant here in our area and there's not a single mention of it being vegan anywhere. And it's got a line out the door and I've take, taken people there who are not vegans and had a great time and did not know. What is it called? It's called Crossroad. Travis Barker is part owner in it. Yeah. And it's doing really well, man. And it's delicious. They found just great ways to kind of offer normal menu items. And yet it's just, it's delectable. You know, it's just unreal. But it's probably full of sodium, I would say, no? I <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Let's face it. If you're going to make the place that, you know, like they're going to, it's not like a uh, over the counter thing that you're buying in a store. But you're right. If you're going to be eating it there and enjoying it, I'm sure it might not be the healthiest vegan food. Right. You're going to walk out with one meal hitting two days of your sodium requirements. Exactly. They made it a whole like rock and roll museum style vibe, right? Rather than be like green plants all over the place and be like, hey, you know, with those stupid vegan puns all over the place. It's like, no, they didn't do that. Yeah. And it's funny you say the plant-based thing because I realized after spending hours on this website that like, I don't say plant-based anywhere. I really just highlight we're an organic oat milk formula, you know, and like that's what we, that's what it is. And we use oat milk and then we use gentle pea protein. I explain our ingredients, but I, I'm not like, oh, go plant-based for your kid. It's like, that's way too generic. The actual problem is your kid's having tummy issues and there's a few common culprits that likely are causing it. And we've addressed that. That's the heart of why we made the product to begin with. And sure, plant-based mothers can dive in for lifestyle choices and stuff like that too. But uh, going back in time a little bit. So I met Nick through John last year, right when we were starting this, this business. And John, how did you find Nick or how did Nick find John? I was making dairy yogurt back in 2014. And I had a very crappy graphic designer at the time, probably the worst person I've ever worked with. Don't hold back, John. <laughs> <laughs> I, have to, I have to say the truth. And, it, you know, I was disgusted by the work and I was driving down from upstate facility with my, my colleague at the time, Jerry, and we stopped at one of the gas convenience stores and I bought one of those That's It bars. And I'm like, I love this. It's the most simple graphic with the message comes right across. I go back home that, that night. I'm like on Google searching graphic designer. That's it bar. Like for an hour, I found Nick. That's crazy. I emailed him literally that next day. I'm like, hey, did you do this? He's like, yes. We signed an NDA and we got to work. Within yeah. like a week, Nick sends me like, like eight different flavors of art. I'm like, damn, this guy's <laughs> talented. Everything from then, everything that I've done went through Nick. Everything. <laughs> so you had just started then, Nick, if that was 2014, you had just started Longo Designs. That's it was my first client. Yeah. So it was right at that time. 
And I think I was finding out again, like the marketing strategies of like putting your work out there. Like if I never did that and attached my name to it, you know, maybe John wouldn't have found my site or my number or whatever it might be. So I think it was like getting that confidence at that moment to be like, whoa, no one else. I don't have a company behind me to do that any longer. It's just me and finding those ways to make sure you can be found regardless of (laughs) why you're trying to be found was so important at that time. Nick is the most talented person when it comes to design work. Everybody that I've shared the work that he's done, no one says anything derogatory, negative, only only positive, really. Your work is, is truly appreciated, truly. Thanks, man. I, love, <laughs> I appreciate hearing that. And I, that's why we work together so well. Because I think it's like, you've got the person on the other end, if you're going to be working with your creative for the first time, you know, have that open mind that you're hiring them as a professional and as someone that's good, you, you should be looking for them for the advice and for the direction of where your brand should go. I think that's what separates a lot of folks out there is if you are looking to hire one, look at their site. Are they telling the story that Kyle just mentioned, you know, on their own website as a designer? I make sure it's really driven to the fact that it's got to be for the client and then the consumer. Who is that person that's going to be buying it? And if you are in sync with your designer on that, and you take your personal preference out and let it be more about what the customer is going to buy, let that designer lead you in the right direction in that way. It's really the, such a good yin and yang combination between client and designer at that. How do you get your business these days? How is business? All through referral. It's been fantastic. And it's every chance I get, like I, I start thinking about, like I told you earlier, I might redesign my website or I might think of putting together a little bit of a cold calling kind of thing to a company I want to work for. Then a ton of new business comes in through either referral or being found. And I think that's how 90% pretty much comes through right now. And it's there's no self-marketing needed. I always want to, but I'm knock on wood, just lucky enough that people spread the word, people share. And also too, like I'm making sure I'm easily found. So, so you're pretty busy then. I mean, like between that and we'll talk about your side gig next, but that's good to hear. And it's just you. I never asked you, but it's just you. Yeah, I have contractors that can be brought on in any time based on my years of working in kind of all these different industries. And so if there's something specific that either overflow, meaning too much for me to do, or a specialty that I wouldn't, wouldn't even tackle, I'll bring on someone that I can bring on contracted for that specific role or that project. Otherwise, it's 100% me. And ChatGPT. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest. But it wasn't around less than a year ago, so you were fine without it. It is literally like a copywriter on the team. It's it's great. I've been creating AI images for the website, and you'll get a couple good ones of toddlers, and then you'll get some mutant ones, and it makes me like nauseous after a while. Like I zoom in, I'm like, oh, that hand is like completely. Something's, Something's wrong, wrong but the eye is just one eye is just dead. And I'm just like, I'm yeah. spending hours yeah. trying to like get a great image for the website. I'm like, I literally feel sick. So like, AI cannot catch up soon enough for me because it's not perfect for toddlers and like the pudginess. Like, it just doesn't get everything right for it for images. But for copywriting, I will say it's pretty damn good. Oh wow, it's been a game changer. I'm using it in every step of the way, and it's sometimes it's more of a. It's just like having a a right hand to be like, hey, I'm thinking of this on this page that I'm writing for a current presentation. I'm not selling the idea enough. Can you take this copy and revamp it to be more persuasive about X or whatever it might be? And it writes this beautiful transition. So it's still rooted in what like 
I always give it something to say, make this better. You know, I think it's like baby steps in learning AI. And man, yeah, it's it's a wild, wild west with that because it's so new. It's growing so fast. And I don't know how you stay on top of it without kind of falling behind. You know, it's because it just keeps getting better and better and better. So it's learning as we are feeding it. You know, it is. We'll get to a point where it's a little bit, a little bit more predictable and more reliable. You know, but we have to. You still have to have the heart of the story, right? Yeah, and that that consumer insight on both sides. And you have to stick to it. Like you, that's the thing I'm learning is stick to the script. Like anytime making copy for our site, it's easy to get caught up, and you're just like, no, come back to the story, keep it succinct. Don't use a lot of copy. And that's the thing with ChatGPT. Sometimes it sounds like a high school essay. It's like. From the finest lands of Europe comes the chickpea milk from Tally. And it's like, what? You know, have you noticed that? It's like, yeah. And it's like, dude, this is corny. I have to say, though, Kyle, you do a fantastic job with copy. Uh, you, you, you really do. I uh, appreciate that. A basketball coach and English teacher, Coach Hoffman, appreciate that. I was an honors English. <laughs> it's, it's a talent. I mean, look, uh, right right now, all the copy, copy that I do, I have a kick-ass copywriter that Paul Schaefer does everything for me, and I send him a bunch of stuff. He puts it in his creative way, but you you have that. You can do that. It's amazing. You get the message very well. No, I appreciate that. It's such a good side talent to have to anything else you do. If you can copy right in a way, or even like know how, know what to ask for, know what to focus on, like you said. I think where I've been using ChatGPT correctly is keeping the thread alive of that particular conversation or that project. And it knows everything. I set the boundaries up at the beginning. This brand is blank. This brand is this. It only talks in this way and blah, 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 you know, like that kind of stuff. Then you could be months later in that same thread going, I need a headline for the latest and greatest product release. Oh, that's interesting. And it's keeping your entire history in sync. So it's not going off on those weird tangents. And it can remember something. You, you can even say option three, which was blank. You know, you can say, write me another thing for option three, and it'll know what you're talking about. Like, it's kind of wild. That's amazing. I, yeah, when I use ChatGPT, I, I always start new threads. I, I never thought. To. No. That's why <laughs> I get like, these high school it. answers. <laughs> um, exactly. That's interesting. It's starting from vanilla. You know what I mean? You want it to, to keep the root of everything you've been saying in that thread alive, and it will continue to do that. And you can go back months later, and it will pick up like you were just there. Have you seen these chat GPT business challenges that people are posting? No. Uh-uh. <laughs> people, oh, people no. People be like, write me a business that requires less than $100 in capital that will return $2,000 oh. per month. And it's like, you should... Uh, source iPhone adapters for Romania, and people will actually like do it, <laughs> and, then, and then they'll post their results, and like it has not been working out well for people. <laughs> oh, I, I yeah, because again, if you rely too much on that, it you, their human nuances are gone. Yeah, and so we just just got at the conference I was at last week. It had a great line where it said, "Generative AI will not replace people." But people who use generative AI will replace people that don't. Yeah. So what they're trying to say is, is like that human influence and that human planting the seed in all of that is truly what is going to be the winner. All this AI is just a tool to get there. There's a great prompt that my daily marketing email just gave me last week and I used it. It, it said, try the reverse. So give chat GPT copy and then say, this copy failed miserably. Yes. Why? How can it be improved? And it will say something like, well, you know, that copy was a bit too literal. 
moms may have disliked wow. the use of this word. You should try this word. And it's, wow, it's like backwards engineering. Yeah, because in, in Facebook, you can do A-B prompts. So it's great for just those hooks for Facebook ads. And you can just say, this Facebook ad failed miserably. Tell me why. And it will give you some thoughts about why it failed. It's crazy. It's over and unreal. It is. It is. <laughs> so you are also a assistant professor Something like that. I'm a teacher. You're a, you're a teacher <laughs> of young minds, young growing minds. Remember where it is again? UC? Cal State University Northridge. Cal State University Northridge. There you go. That's what it is. Where I went. Where I went. So it's like I got to go back and again, during that time period where I started my own business, got on the podcast, all of a sudden I go, I get asked to come and talk to the graduating seniors about as an alumni, right? Like, what have you done? And I'm doing this whole thing. And out of the blue, a week later, someone canceled. A teacher could not fulfill that next upcoming semester for some emergency. And they reached out to me and said, like, we know you were talking about maybe possibly teaching one day. How about in a few weeks? Yeah, <laughs> it was literally, It was literally two weeks later, I started a class. And I've been doing that ever since as well. Very part-time. I do like one class a semester. And I teach at night. So it's this perfect balance of everything I do during the day. And it's been the greatest little surprise of my career because I'd never really considered it would happen. But when it did, it's like the perfect thing to kind of mold each time and get better and figure out how you want to be, what kind of a teacher and educator you want to be. And I got to view all the other teachers and see what they do and how what what is their thing. And then you get to find out like, oh, well, that's not me. Maybe this is more me. I'm going to be this kind of teacher, whatever it might be. And it's the greatest, man. It's, it's, and it keeps you on your toes so much because like you can't preach it unless you practice it. And, yep. and being a working professional and a teacher is, is that double whammy. That you're like I got to stay in line. <laughs> I think that'd be fun. I think I had to do two public speaking engagements recently. One with John in the room doing a little pitch. And I did one last week gave a little bit of a pitch in front of a room of about 100, 200 people. And that's nerve wracking. But I think I would like a class of students who I know their names. We have a rapport. Are you up there just slinging it, just just letting it rip, having like just being like your, your, your heart rate's like at 60, like you're comfortable? Pretty much. Or are you nervous? Yeah, it, it took a while. The first time I, the first class, I was ready to run out. I'm like, there's no way. I... What makes me think I'm capable of this role? Never had imposter syndrome until that moment. Mm. Like, honestly, I was like, I'm not worthy of this. I, I'm going to leave. And within two hours, I knew, one, I'm going to love this. And then three, I was like, I can craft this, like you said, get better and better and find who I am as a teacher. And I'm, I don't do it one-dimensionally. I try to make sure it's like we're all over the place. I saw this one line that a teacher said, like, I'm going to shatter the typical classroom experience. And when I saw that, I was like, hell yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. They are up there talking just as much as I am, right? They're in groups, they're individual, they have to prep and do like pitches in the class. So it's like, I know what made me bored in class. I was not a good student. Me too. I was bored half the time because no one, no one took the time to like say like, man, you're, you and I are here for this amount of time. Let's make it happen. And I think now because of obviously technology, the internet, all these things that you could do to basically propel your class bigger and better, 
you have to take advantage of it. Otherwise, it's like you're just mailing it in. Why, why do that? I don't do it for the money in any, in any way. It's all for the, the love and the passion of it. I like how you put their, your kids, uh, students, like on the spot, for lack of a better term, and put them into a position to orate or clarify a thought in front of other people. Cause yes, when I went to college, I, you could just show up in a hoodie and like sit there and you're not being challenged like you are in, in real world. You know, real world is dealing with other people, clarifying your thoughts, expressing your thoughts, right? So I love that you're make your students prepare, get into groups, speak, stand for something, explain something in front of the other students. Cause if it was me as your student, I'd be like, well, when I go to Longo's class, I'm, I'm not just gonna be able to sit in the back and just zone out. Yeah, no. And I, I almost make them sign a contract at the very beginning. I tell them, this is what the class is going to be like. If you're a slacker, if this is not the class for you, now's the time to get out. I'm just going to warn you. But if you stay, you're going to have the time of your life. So it's kind of like, I get that one or two kids that kind of go like, whoa, this isn't for me. And they check out. But I used before I did that, they would be in the class and be too late to drop. And it was just not working out. And I'd almost be like, don't even show up. Like, honestly, what, this is a waste of everyone's time. I only want people that, is, that are going to be 100% in and truly take advantage of the situation. I know, I know you're paying for it. And I know most of them are paying it for themselves or their families are doing it. And, and a lot of my students, they're the first in their family to go to college. So I know that even though it's not the most expensive college in town in LA, it's still expensive to them. So I'm like, you're paying for this. Here's your money's worth. As much as I can. What are you guys working on right now? I know that you were wrapping up this project where you had your students doing design for an event, which I thought was really interesting. Exactly. So they finished it. They're presenting them now each night. Four of them do a presentation. And the challenge was, like you said, what's the problem? How are we going to solve it? The problem was that someone has come to them to say, I have interest in putting on a conference or an expo for a particular industry. You are to come up with that entire solution, what is the conference, who is it for, and they name it, they brand it, and then they put together basically an investor's pitch for it. So if the, they were sitting in front of a wow. team or an audience of people people willing to invest, they had to pitch their idea to them. So that's what they did. That is awesome. You want to know why? Because you could have easily just been like, hey, <laughs> I want you guys to design all of the materials and point of purchase displays and the exit signs for uh, a sports convention and give me your best use of Adobe Illustrator. But instead, you added the business element to it, which is why should this event exist in the first place? How do I make it worth the, the attendees time? And they had to represent that. I appreciate that. And, they, and the cool thing is they get to decide the theme, the topic, the space it's in. And it might be something they're really passionate about, or it might be something that's missing right now because they're going to graduate in June and they're going to have to have a portfolio of a good variety. So I tell them, it's like, if you look at your portfolio right now and it's too tech-driven or if it's too modern and whatever, and you need something that's a little bit more organic or hobby-based or whatever it might be, this project is your chance to pick something to balance out your portfolio, right? And if they pick something that they're really passionate about, then they really dive into it, you know, because they know all the the cool little ins and outs of that and what's going to make a person want to go to it in the first place. So it's kind of fun to see like where they come up with that. And right now what they're doing is my second project that they do is I always go, I'll go to Whole Foods and I'll find three of the worst designed packages <laughs> of the highest price points too, right? Okay, okay. Because they're no longer 
quite there now, but I'm sure you guys will get this. Like maybe a few years ago when you went to like Expo West, you'd see these mom and pop companies with like a little salsa company. Mm -hmm. And it's like two people running it out of their garage, right? And they get into a Sprouts or a Whole Food, but they still have that very dated package. And yet it's it's $18 a jar. (laughs) So it's kind of because it's like really good quality on the inside. So it's all about like rebranding a brand that is in trouble and knowing from working with you guys and working with John and other clients, I know exactly what it takes to get into Whole Foods and Sprouts and all that with our clients. So I'm trying to say to these guys, the buyers of these places have said, we want to keep your product, but you've got to rebrand for today's world. So they have to look at the whole competitive landscape. And the goal is to come up with something that fits in with the landscape, but also has a, a bit of a 180 spin. I actually have some rapid fire questions for you too after this to get your design aesthetic through to the listeners. But I guess the first thing I'll ask before we do that is what's a bad design? What's the hallmark of a bad design in Nick Longo's world? Oh gosh. In just characteristics, not the brand. Well, something at Whole Foods. Let's let's say what's the bad food packaging design at Whole Foods generally? Uh, there's a still a bunch in the granola section. That was one area. Pasta and rices and grains. Mm-hmm. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. <laughs> coffee sometimes in the coffee area. Because those are things that have been around for a long time, there's still a few of those players and cookies. There's a brand, I can't even remember the name, but they just rebranded and it's worse than what they previously had, which was one of the worst branding I'd ever seen in my life. There was a granola company that was called St. Amore, I think it is. Okay. Even the name is so horrible. Yeah, there's a great point too. They have the okay to re- rebrand and rename if they want to. If the name I, ch- I gave them of these, I, they get three and they basically pull from a hat and it tells them which one they get, right? Either right now we're doing a granola, a rice, and a kid's like mac and cheese. Okay, so the student pulls a name from a hat and then goes to town on that. And that's the one they get. And then this one, they I used to give them the choice, but now I'm like, nope, that's not how life works. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta get what you get. Yeah, you hire the client. Maybe Santa Moore knows their branding stinks, and you have to deal with them with empathy and and help them get better. You don't get to just choose your favorites. Yeah, you can't just say this. This sucks. So can you pick me up a Santa Moore today, please? <laughs> right. It's kind of, <laughs> and then and then it was called like basic granola, and it was like, oh my god. So one kid just went. You know what? Not only do I want to change it, but I'm going to call it bold granola. Like, and he had this, his whole thing was, you said 180. What's 180 from basic, you know? And so he built this whole campaign on like, why be basic when you can be bold? And it was like bold granola. I love that. I would invest in that. Bold granola sounds awesome. It gets them thinking. The design part is kind of the easiest part, right? It's the strategy and the stuff that you do up front. And a lot of times in the first week or two, they're like, Nick, we're ready to design. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, you're, you're not ready to design yet because we haven't built the strategy yet. And, you know, sometimes it takes me three weeks to do it. You're going to be doing it in three days. So, like, pump your brakes. <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing fine. <laughs> you know, we'll get there in three days. But you got to do that stuff up front. And the minute they get into their jobs, I just want them to go, man, Longo's class got us so ready. Like, I, I could take on anything this boss is going gonna, is gonna to hand me. That's the number one goal. Okay, here we go. Five minutes with Longo. Go. One, two, three. First question, serif or sans serif fonts? Sans serif. Black on white 
So following the Ogilvy method of advertising, he says, never reverse out your fonts. People hate reading white on black. They prefer to read black on white. What's your choice and what do you have any thoughts about that? Reversing out fonts. That's too much of a restriction to not have that in your toolhouse. No, I, I disagree. Advertising, do you prefer good copy to lead or do you prefer imagery or a balance of both? Good copy. Good copy. Do you prefer the old method of advertising, which is long copy? If you look at old advertisements that Ogilvy wrote and all and Claude Miller, I think his name is, all of the, you know, the rock stars of the 50s, 60s, 70s ad age, it's a lot of copy. Now we're getting away from co- good copy thoughts. We have to. Everyone's attention span is a fraction of what the old stuff was. I appreciate the old, but the, the best thing is when you can say the most with the least. Characters. McDonald's used to use all the Happy Meals, which you know very well. They, they had the burglar and all that stuff, and they had Ronald McDonald, the bird. All that's gone. Now that's just the golden arches. Nike just does the Nike swoosh. What are your thoughts about using characters in, in branding versus just the logo? When appropriate, absolutely. We just finished one for a restaurant, and they didn't have this on their radar at all. And I threw one in, and he's in the main logo now. So... So you when appropriate. When appropriate. Did ChatGPT come up with these questions? No, 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 no. I just was thinking good things before you because I've always wanted to ask you. Because I've noticed you always do sans serif fonts. And then I noticed that Tally, I often it, it's reversed out on our packaging. And I was reading about how people find that harder to read. But ah, going back to that, it's just accessibility now. You you can put two colors together and it can be tested for colorblindness and accessibility on websites and on screen. And as long as you get a certain point above, it's completely considered okay. As long as there's the contrast. You can't put like a pale yellow with a white reversed out. Like that's just won't hit the accessibility level. You just need the contrast. We have those tools now that primarily for colorblind and other vision impaired things, you want to just make sure there's enough contrast. Okay. What is your favorite brand identity? I think on the last podcast, we talked about the Emperor, like the Rolex. We talked about the caretaker, oh, I think. Yeah, oh yeah, the ruler. The, ruler. the, the archetypes? The ar- brand archetypes. What's your favorite archetype? I believe it was the ruler, but let's hear it. I like the, I know, I like the jester. Like that's the one that's like, that's Skittles. That's Sour Patch Kids. Anything that gets to have, that gets to pull a prank, that's so rare in a brand. So I would love, please, if you are a jester brand, come to me. Okay, jester. He wants jesters. <laughs> I want to brand you. <laughs> Everything else I've done. <laughs> Skills. Yeah, they do have awesome branding and like pulling a prank on you. A lot of brands too on their Twitter have gone on that gesture route, even if they're a semi-serious brand, like Taco Bell is yes. very much making Wendy's. Wendy's. They just make fun of their consumers all the time, which I appreciate. It's a good one. That's a two-part question. One is, what's your favorite brand in Whole Foods? We'll just start with that. Or what's the brand that you bring into your household and you're just like, I freaking love the way that thing looks in my fridge or in my pantry. Ooh, Bonza. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, Bonza's the chickpea pasta. Yeah, we talked about that from the very beginning, right? Like, I think they are so confident and so less is more. The value is, as a as like a vegan myself, I don't want to just eat pasta. I want to eat pasta that's got 50 grams of you know protein. That's all I know about them. They're, I have noticed they're they're sneaking in some... Other ingredients lately, it, it's not. It's no longer just chickpea flour and water. There's other stuff in there. 
So maybe it won't be my favorite if they don't change it. <laughs> but I think there's something about, you know, where you can look about this is anything in the health and beauty aisle, right? Anything that's like shampoo, lotion, shaving stuff, whatever it might be. Remember back in the day with the old swabs and the Clairol and all these other things, it was the busiest crap that you you actually would hide. You'd put it under your counter, right? You wouldn't put it on the counter. Now that people are spending so much time in decorating their household, so kitchen stuff too, notice how all of those packages have gone to almost minimal, clean, and almost home decor-ish looks. Those are, those are the things I love because they're thinking about you as the user and you don't want this loud 18-color thing with 16 different call-outs on it. All you want is, you know, cleanse. <laughs> That's it. And so they're, they're, those are the brands I'm really digging. I, lo- I love that space because they don't have to worry about, I think, a lot of the things you were saying where you, you got to tell a little bit more of a story of the benefit of that product. Well, then, yeah, we have five minutes left, so we can close on this, which is where I want to talk about our packaging. Yeah. So we talked about the toddler milk before we jumped on about how I owe you that file. And John and I still want to give that a shot. And John and I were talking and sort of want to release it to you in terms of now that you've heard my spiel in the beginning about where the brand really is adding value and it's at the 12 month mark and it's our absence of common culprits and it's all the nutrition without those common tummy issues uh, causing villains, we'll call them. I hope that that maybe empowers you to take a fresh approach to, to that toddler milk, but feel free to take a swipe at that. And then for Tally Toddler, the formula, I definitely think I overcluttered it. And I definitely think that we can pull some stuff off the packaging before we go to print. The biggest thing that, that I noticed, Nick, I think the rainbows is stepping on the oats. And I think we could potentially remove the rainbow, but I sort of just want, John, what are your thoughts on this? Just for you to take another swipe at cleaning it up, whether it's just removing the bubbles or you know, organizing it in such a fashion where it's really just organic oat milk toddler formula. Same how a lot of the brands in the category like Bobby Infant Formula or Babies Only, it says dairy in the middle or it says pea protein. You know, I think ours could do a better job of just saying oat right in the middle or something like that. But I don't want to reinvent the wheel either. I think it's a great package, but curious to hear you and John's thoughts. I think one thing I learned from Nick a long time ago I used to throw everything at Nick and he gave me this beautiful design. Then I'd say, okay, add this to it, add that to it, add that to it. Add. And then he's like, you can't sell, you can't be everything to everyone. So John would find some new logo. He's like, can we put this on there too? I'm like, how many freaking claims do you want? <laughs> That's, what I did. That's exactly what I did. I was like, you mm-hmm. have to add no palm oil and no corn syrup. You just have to. Wait, we're, we're a nine allergen friendly. It's like, yeah, I get it. You're the money behind it. And you're the ones that, and you're like, all of this is important, right? So where you're at right now, guys, is you're realizing what's important and what's not. And it's literally like having a closet of a lot of clothes, right? What hasn't been needed? Take it out. Yeah, I agree. Nick, Nick taught me, you know, you, you can't be everything to everyone. From there, I learned packaging, simple packaging, simple messaging, right? The, the sells. The consumer looks for literally a few seconds. You don't want them, they're not going to read everything. Yeah, and you can't be everything, like you said, you can't be everything to everybody. Then it just kind of dilutes the entire messaging and there's confusion and there's an eye that passes right by it and you want to stop them in their tracks. So I agree. 
I think it's going to be neat to see the evolution. We've learned what's important. You're re- you're retelling the story in a more specific one direction way. And let's let the packaging evolve to that and still be, still have the personality we love, but a much more condensed storytelling, problem solving vibe. Well said. I think much more condensed, my friend, right? I, I'm, I'm willing to go much more condensed. I don't know about you guys, but I'm looking at it now. It's, we, it's great for what it is, but you want to just go, you want to strip it to that bonza simplistic like think about it what's on the cover of bonza it's not a lot you know that's why I, I love the animations that you've created for the brand i think selectively using one of them like the heart yeah i think yeah i mean i and i do love the blue can and the purple can i love the color clarity of probiotic being purple original being blue part of me does wonder if the original could be if we could not reverse it out and if that would make it pop more, I just look at, you know, like the Bobby can, I'm like, man, I just, yeah. it's just like, it's easy to read. It's just right there. And I think just being very clear front and center, it's oat. It's, 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 it's the first ever oat milk formula. And we should just really not be saying plant-based organic, dairy-free, soy-free, maybe move to the side. I think just the front and center is it's tally toddler organic oat milk formula or tally organic oat milk toddler formula. And just, you know, and, and you can come to our website and read why, why we picked oat milk and all these great things. But I think that's, I think we have too many claims on the front. And that's how John and I built it. That's not your fault. We told you, we, we direct creatively directed you to put claims on the front, like organic, dairy-free, soy-free, gluten-free. But I think people really just care about... Even like two minutes before it was going to go to print. You're like, one more logo. <laughs> <laughs> so embarrassing. I'm like, guys, we don't have any room. And then maybe like we did with the original box design, we do the tally list. We do the list of everything in one space yeah. so they know all the benefits. And instead of you know, trying to scatter and make it this like kid friendly, you know, oh, look, it's very abstract. Maybe that was just a way to condense all that, get it off there and have that great tally list. And that becomes something we we use on everything from this point on. What's the tally list of this product? Yeah, I think I got I mean? too excited with the animation even a year ago. And, and I actually told John this too. I was like using Tally Kids, the lockup that you made everywhere on our website and really work tally and we need to get back to that here's what we make here's the benefits of it come to our website we have a ton of intelligent people on this brand but like we don't need to be flying rocket ships across the screen because i can't maintain that very well john certainly can't maintain that very well but what john and i are very good at is formulating great products very good ingredients and being very clear transparent to the consumer about them and i think that's where probably the brand should go and it's an evolution, like we're just like we're saying. I think everyone goes through this. You can see beginning stages of brands that are doing extremely well right now. Just a year or two ago, had some really terrible packaging, and it went through the process. It was shown to buyers. It was shown to the public. It was shown at trade shows, right? And all this stuff we're gathering and realizing how to be a stronger brand now. It's part of the whole process, you know. You, you, you very seldom do you get it right the first time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's empowering to know because sometimes I have a bit of hindsight and John's very good at moving forward and looking ahead. I'm like, damn, I wish we would have got it right the first time. But people do love the packaging. You get tons of compliments on it. Yeah, totally. Going forward. 
just for us, it makes more sense to change. We were we were talking to the public, right for the publics, we're presenting the toddler formulas for the baby category, and they said the packaging is gorgeous. So we get that same comments from everyone, and that's that's interesting because it it does put a lot of people like you guys in an unfair situation where one buyer, I can see where Publix would be. And I'm not, I, we don't even have them here, but I'm very familiar with them. And I can almost see them go, really going, yeah, that works. And then you can see someone else giving you a comment like you got, Kyle, back with someone saying it was too conventional. We thought we were a little unconventional with it. So it's like, again, you can't please everybody. But what you can do is stick to, I think, your gun, stick to the story you want. And tell that if you tell that story to the buyer the next time and it leads up to the reveal... And you've given them all those things. We want a product that's this, and you need this because of this, and it's going to solve your person's problem because of this. Here's the solution. They're not going to be diving into the weeds going, oh, there's too many bursts. You know what I mean? They won't do that. They're just going to be like, yeah, you delivered everything you just said this product would. Yeah, and I think parents want that plain speak. Their kid is 12 months old. I mean, sure, we made cute products that kids like. I think Tally Kids you know, probably could stay a little bit more playful. But I think the toddler formula and as we get into infant formula, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, we, we just hinted at it with each other. Like, yeah, infant, because that's the first thing I realized, dude. I was like, the infant formula cannot be that playful or else people will think it's toddler formula or they'll think it's like some infant formula is a bit serious, a bit clinical. It's way, the, oh my God, that packaging is so gross for Similac, Infamil, but we don't need to go that clinical. But we do need to go more like the Bobby route, a little bit more straightforward. I got you. Cool. What's your plan the rest of the week? You teaching this week? Oh my gosh. They got all their presentations. So I get kind of like a, a week off a little bit. <laughs> no, oh yeah, because you're just chilling. Listen, in both, yeah. Mm-hmm, in both classes and everything. And the next week I have to go up to San Francisco for another educational thing that I work with Adobe with. So we're going to do a little retreat with students up there. Wow. They get to do portfolio reviews and we have guest speakers and... It's wild. So it's super fun. That's incredible. Sponsored by Adobe. That's good for you. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> it's like the mothership called, you know? It's like if, if you're a designer, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. So wait, I don't get that. So it's like you, you're sort of, what's the deal with the shh? Oh, no. I, I, I'm more like, no, I could talk about it. It's not that. It's just more like, to me, sometimes I'm a little like reluctant to tell people of that because it is like, in our industry, it is the biggest thing. Like it's like it's like it's literally my funnest little side gig as well. But like, I, I still can't believe I I work with them. It's kind of nuts. It's like whatever industry you're in. It's like imagine if you were you know you got to work for the the biggest player in the in the in the game. Good for you. Good for you. Good for you to have that funnel and that connection for your students. And in 20 years, you'll probably be teaching like the Adobe Academy or something. Who knows? <laughs> let's do it, man. <laughs> I love that. All right, I'm going to write that one down. Yeah, that's good. That's a good the goal. Consumer package good <laughs> side of, of, of it, you know. Let's do it. All right, my friend. Thank you. Thanks so much, man. This is a blast. Thank you, Nick. Have a great rest of the day.